You're listening to the Ultimate College Planning Podcast, episode number four. Welcome to the Ultimate College Planning Podcast, where you'll get the most up-to-date information, strategies, and tools to help you become more successful in the college planning process. And now your hosts, Dr. Jeff and Dr. Brian Haig. Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate College Planning Podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, we're really excited to have one of my former students, Nicole McKenna, on the show. She's one of my star students, and she's currently at Yale University. She was very successful in the college planning process. She was accepted to many of the top universities in the world, including Yale, Stanford, Princeton, Columbia, Dartmouth, Berkeley, UCLA, and many other great universities. She also received over $1 million in scholarship offers. It's going to be great to learn from Nicole and get her insights, strategies, and tips on the competitive college admissions process. Because getting accepted into college is more competitive than ever these days. It will be great to hear from someone who just went through the process. Welcome, Nicole. Great to have you on the show. Before we get to the obvious questions of how you got into Yale and these other great universities, how's Yale going? What are the surprises, the challenges and obstacles and opportunities? Um, Yale's been really amazing. I'm really glad I chose it, actually, um, because I had a really difficult decision to make back last year in May, um, and it was really hard to decide, but I'm really glad I came to Yale. It's a really unique place that's sort of unrivaled by any of the other top schools in terms of the environment that it creates for its students um, and, like, the friendliness on campus. I think in terms of, like, surprises and challenges, I think one of the biggest challenges uh, that I've experienced is how to handle all of the freedom that you get as a college student because you really are completely free with the goals that you want to pursue, what you want to study, which classes you want to take, how difficult you want those classes to be, um, you know, how you want to spend your time, whether or not you even want to go to class. Um, There's no one there sort of telling you step by step what you need to do or what you should do. And, you know, there are no penalties for not doing those things really. So it's just a matter of, figuring out like what your priorities are, what your motivations are, and how you want to spend your time. And I think that's been um, one of the challenging parts of just, I think, being a college student in general. Um, And opportunities, they're pretty much endless. I mean, there are a billion things to do on campus. Um, I've gotten really involved with the Yale International Relations Association. Um, I also have been playing club tennis. Uh, I do a lot of sorts of like global affairs things on campus. I'm on the Model UN team. Um, I'm doing research over the summer in neuroscience. So, I mean, the opportunities are pretty endless at a place like Yale. So the question is, what aren't you doing? (laughs) A lot of things. That's the point, that there are just so many things. Yeah, I mean, you've always been a superstar student, both inside and outside the classroom. Going back for a moment, I know back in May you were deciding among Yale, Princeton, and Stanford, everybody would dream of going to any of these colleges. So what made you decide to attend Yale? I think you said there's something very different about this college. Can you share with us what it is or what it was? Because all these colleges are fantastic choices. Yeah, and I mean, I think all of them are also amazing. And like, I would have had an amazing experience going to uh, like any of those places. I think it ultimately came down to the environment that I wanted. Um, Stanford, you know, being in California, it just felt very familiar and it felt similar to a lot of the things that I had been used to already living in Orange County. Um, it was also sort of huge and I didn't really get that um 
sort of like community atmosphere that I was looking for. Um, and I think Yale really had that with the residential colleges and just with the way the whole campus is configured. It, I think, really created a strong commun- like sense of community um, that I didn't feel from the other colleges. Um, yeah, and I just think Yale is a fun, friendly place. that, And that's not necessarily the vibe that I got from visiting these other colleges and I mean it's hard to know when you're a prospective student visiting these places it's really difficult like what is my next four years going to be like at any of these places and it's really hard to know but I think Yale just um, felt the best and I think it came down to that. Got it so at Yale you said you're having a lot of freedom now and the challenge has been to continue to keep yourself focused and motivated. You've always been a super motivated student, but what is it that has continued to keep you on track, both short-term and long-term? What has provided structure to this new freedom that you have? Um, I think it's difficult. I think the only thing that really can provide structure to that freedom right now is what my intellectual interests are. And I think that that's really important because that's ultimately what's going to drive my like career interests, whether or not I want to go to grad school, you know, law school and whatever else it is I end up doing. Um, so basically I'm trying to figure that out right now. And I've already had a year, I think, to sort of sort through everything and all of the options and begin narrowing down what I think I'm ultimately going to want to pursue on intellectual and academic level. But I think that's the biggest struggle right now is figuring out, like, what am I passionate about? What do I really want to study? And sort of taking classes in those areas and doing things in those areas. And I think that's, like, the most important driving factor in being motivated. Yeah, definitely. You've got so many opportunities and so many choices. So it's, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Now, going back to your background, because you've, you know, the end result was, you know, huge success. Can we just now can we back it up and just uh, before we we get into your strategy for getting into these schools? Um, can you share with us just like a minute about your background, where you grew up, your family situation, um, any obstacles and challenges you had growing up? Yeah, so I was born in Belarus. Um, When I was four, I moved to California, where I live right now. Um, Basically, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I had, like, a particularly challenging or, like, strange family situation. I basically grew up, went to private school in California, Um, did a bunch of things when I was little. I, like, literally... I played tennis, I played piano, I did all of these different things, um, ended up not doing later. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I think that a lot of, especially being from Belarus and like, I also traveled a lot when I was younger, like my mom would take me to a lot of different places. And I think seeing a lot of different cultures and being myself immersed in two different cultures sort of informed a lot of what I'm interested and passionate about now. Um, I think I mentioned, you know, I'm really interested potentially in pursuing international relations or as Yale calls it, you know, the global affairs major um, that might, and I'm really involved in the IR organization on campus. And I think that my family background definitely informed these interests. Um, And, you know, having done debate and model UN and like constantly being involved in these sorts of activities that exposed me to international affairs and politics. um, I think that that definitely informed a lot of what I'm interested in now. So, yeah. 
Got it. Makes sense. When I began working with you sophomore year of high school, you had a lot of motivation and drive, and of course, smarts. Your goal was to get into a great college like many others. Your dream came true. For many other students, it's not the same case. Can you share with us some tips or strategies on how you are able to succeed? Um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to know because ultimately I think the college admissions process is sort of based a lot on chance and it's sort of, everyone says, you know, like it's such a toss up and I've definitely seen students who are really deserving who don't get into amazing schools. Um, so it's hard to know like what it is specifically that I did and maybe it wasn't anything that I did, but I think that, um, I really did take the college process seriously, um, like when it came to writing applications, I spent a lot of time on essays and figuring out how to make them really creative and how to make them expressive of who I was and like express my voice and everything. Um, <clears throat> because it is challenging conveying your personality to the admissions people. And I think I really focused on that because I knew that if these admissions people could see into my personality and like hear my voice through these essays, then maybe I would have you know, a shot at some of these really top-tier schools. That's right. Your essays were great. Your voice did really come out. Can we dig a little deeper in this area? What was your overall mindset, strategy, game plan, approaching the college planning process? You gave a great overview, but if you can give us one or two more tips or strategies, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, did the basic things, um, like, I knew that there were certain things that I just had to do, you know, SATs, APs, IBs, doing well in my classes at school. Um, and then apart from that, I think I really focused on doing things that I enjoyed and then growing in those aspects. So, for instance, um, one of the things that I really did a lot in high school was debate. And um, so I focused on how can I, like, grow myself in debate because I really did enjoy doing it and I still really love it. And it's actually something that I've carried on into my time at Yale. Um, and so, yeah, doing things that I really enjoy and finding out how to maximize sort of my involvement in those areas and maybe how to even extend them beyond my school community, um, beyond my immediate local community. Um, yeah. So, Nicole, so I think because you're involved with, with a lot of different themes, so I think uh, one thing, a common theme of what I'm finding out is finding what your key strengths Well, you're strong in every, many different things, but I think finding out where your key strengths were uh, and your passions and really developing those areas. Is that one of the key themes of what you did? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I think there's no point spending your high school career, you know, if you're trying to get into an amazing college, you shouldn't have to be forcing yourself into doing things that you don't like doing. Um, so I think that's what I tried to do is to really make sure that everything that I was doing, I enjoyed doing and I loved doing it because you're not going to want to pursue something that you hate and that you feel forced into. So I think that would be like my ultimate advice is don't, force yourself into anything just because you think it'll sound good on paper. Um, everyone who I've met at Yale and, you know, a, a lot of the people that I've met and that go to other amazing colleges, they got in, you know, by doing really just doing the things that they love and doing those things to their fullest and being really amazing at those things. So I think that's like the key. You don't have to do a billion different things all over the place that are, you know, disjointed just because you think they'll all sound good. Um, 
Yeah, and I think it's just important to foster yourself as someone who is passionate about a particular area or a particular set of areas. And I think that's definitely what I uh, did in high school okay. and what I would like recommend. Yeah, Nicole, there's there's some students like you who can who can get all the A's and get really involved outside the classroom. And then I work with some students who are just getting barely B's in regular classes and they can't even get involved outside the classroom because they're just barely trying to get the B's. How do you um how, how do you handle a very rigorous course load, get the A's and still follow your passions outside the classroom and cultivate those and still manage it all? Um, I think it's challenging. I mean, it it was definitely challenging for me as well. Oftentimes when I had, you know, a ton of debate work to do and I had a ton of um, things outside of the classroom to do and I had a lot of class work and tests and things to focus on. So it's challenging. I think the best strategy for approaching that is sort of um, splitting things up mentally and saying, you know, instead of sitting there and thinking about all of the things that you have to do, my philosophy was always sort of just start doing one of those things and uh, eventually you'll get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and sort of if you break down everything that you have to do into smaller chunks, then it becomes a lot more manageable. And I think, you know, especially like in our generation, it's so easy to get distracted. There are a billion things, you know, like TV, Facebook, um, like a lot of things that are potential distractors, texting, like, um, yeah, there's too many to count, right? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so I think a lot of times maybe students may get caught up in those things. So I think it's important, like I definitely am not going to say I didn't spend a ton of time on Facebook in high school because I did. Um, and I definitely spent a lot of time texting. And you still got all the A's <laughs> and did everything else. No, but I mean, I think the point is that it's important to know when the time is for texting and when it isn't the time for texting, sort of. And there were definitely times where I would like, put my phone away and like turn it off if I was studying for a big test or like studying for the SATs because I just knew that it was a distraction. So your time yeah. management was under control where, where some students it's not under, under control. It's just trying trying to get them off Facebook or YouTube or the, or the TV. Um, it, they don't, right? Or, or it's just too much. So it's, it's basically they're indulging that or um, they're not able to manage it as effectively as you are. Yeah, it's hard. And I think also um, one of the things that is really important in driving someone to keep doing homework assignments and extracurriculars and things is like if you have a clear goal and I guess my clear goal was as so many students um, goals are to like get into an amazing college and not that that was always on my mind sort of but I think having a goal was helpful in driving me to like get off of Facebook or study um, yeah and things like that so I think Having a goal, eliminating distractions, and um, splitting things up into manageable tasks would be like the main advice that I could give about that. That's fantastic advice, Nicole, and of course it worked. Uh, okay, next question. Many students fail in high school, and that's part of the growth process. And I see some students just like you, they're super resilient, they'll get back up and succeed, where other students fail, they bury themselves in a cave, and they just stay there. What are some tips you can give students to help them persevere through those challenges so that they can have success just like you did? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard, and I think it depends a lot on what a person's like family situation is like and what sort of support system they have. Um, but I definitely, I think, like, 
had some moments in high school where I felt like I had failed, um, where I couldn't continue pursuing what I wanted to pursue any longer. And there were moments, you know, and everyone has those moments where things just become really difficult and overwhelming. Um, in terms of like solving that, I think the only thing I can really say is, um, you have to realize that whatever the failure was is not permanent and that it doesn't really define you. Like you're still so young. You're still like 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, you're in high school, um, and you still have so much time to correct any failures that may have happened and to continue pursuing something that you want to pursue. And even if it was a bad grade or, you know, like, I think the problem is that a lot of people, they'll start getting a bad grade in one class and they'll think, okay, so I'm not an A student and I can't be one. And so they sort of do that across the board. And I think the first step is sort of just beginning to solve it um, at one step at a time. And that sounds really like abstract and vague, but yeah, I think just beginning, like taking things into your own hands and beginning to solve the issue. If you see like a trend um, and just realizing that it's a small failure on the grand scheme of things, yeah. like even if it was a failure, because you still have so much time and you're going to be in college and you're going to have time to fix everything you want to fix and start over as a new person if you want to. So I think realizing that is important. Hey, Nicole, as you know, failure can be a good thing because it allows you to become stronger and wiser and grow through those challenges to become a better person. These are key attributes of a successful individual. Can you talk about failure as being part of the success formula? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that it also is because no, I mean, no one, it's not realistic to always expect to succeed. Like if you look at any of the top CEOs or celebrities or um, anyone else who's ex like seen by society as extremely successful, they've all had their failures. And I think with failures are important because if you're taking risks um, and really trying to, to achieve a lot, then failures are definitely going to happen along the way. Um, so, yeah. It's about bouncing back and persevering and just having that attitude, right? To, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and then also, you know, with, with your college admissions, you're able to have this, you know, game plan, which also not only led to college admissions, but uh, people don't know, but you're able to get hundreds of thousands, I believe over a million dollars in scholarships. Can you share with us a little bit about that, how you're able to not only get admitted to these <laughs> amazing colleges, but get all this money? Um, yeah, so that's sort of definitely something I probably had less involvement in just because the schools that you apply to you know sort of like look at who you are and look at your application and look at your family's um like particular situation and decide on how much um of a scholarship they want to give you I think that um I mean I definitely in high school especially senior year was going on a lot of college trips and interviewing for scholarships um and that was a big part of my admissions process, too. And that was, like, a really interesting process in and of itself because, you know, I had to dress up really formally and meet with professors and meet with um, people who are really high up at certain colleges and institutions and, yeah, convince them that I <laughs> that they should give me scholarship money. So and it worked I guess well. part of that was just communicating well and being presentable and showing them that I would contribute a lot to their school um, 
and that I would like be a force on their campus. And I think that's what leads colleges to give you a lot of money. So yeah, I think that was probably like the main component. Well, and it worked very, very well. So because you got a lot of full rides or uh, tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships. And was that a consideration when you chose um, Yale over a different college, the amount of money that you're given? Uh, Not at all, because to be honest, all of the colleges that I was deciding between gave me pretty um, equal levels of scholarship money. Um, And even if, well, Yale gave me the best initial offer. And then, I, I mean, I sort of used their offer to bargain with other schools at the point where I didn't know where I was going to be going yet. So I came to Stanford and I was like, look, Yale's giving me this much money. Um, is there any way that you can match it? And they did match it. And I think that colleges are really receptive to matching offers like that because they don't want to lose you to a competitor. Um, so I think that's honestly just the best way to do it. Just, um, yeah, matching with I don't, I definitely wouldn't say that it was a factor because all of the scholarships that I received were pretty equal across the board. Wow, fantastic. So it's been great for you in terms of getting into your dream college, but also in terms of getting a lot of money, a full ride. Any final thoughts you can give to students preparing for the competitive college admissions process? Um, I mean, I think I would just reiterate what I said earlier was finding something that you're really passionate about and that you really enjoy doing. And figuring out how to achieve that and to grow in that area, regardless of any obstacles that may occur. Um, And really importantly, just not forcing yourself to do things because you think they look good for college, because colleges know what students think look good for them. And they probably don't think they look as good as you think they look. Um, If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, Yeah, I mean, there's no particular formula. Like, I don't know, if someone did, you know, exactly what I did, that may not work as well, or it may just have a different outcome, because there really isn't a single formula for how to get into an amazing college. And I was definitely denied by some colleges that were, like, people would call them lower tiered than Yale, Stanford, or Princeton. So at the end of the day, it's sort of just like a toss-up. Um, and it's really... But instead of trying to predict and sort of gear yourself towards what you think colleges will like, I would just say my biggest piece of advice is just maximizing who you are as an applicant and making sure that that is... Um, like that accurately represents who you are as a person and what you think your future goals are. Um, And yeah, I think apart from that, a more concrete thing is like staying really focused when you're actually writing college applications and spending a lot of time writing them, editing them, rewriting them. I probably rewrote my main essay like 15 times. It was just a crazy process, but I think that's what it takes because it's really hard to figure out how to make your voice come through in a college essay. And so it does take a lot of revision. Um, Yeah. And I think that's my main advice. This is great advice, Nicole. You've given a lot of amazing tips and strategies and we really appreciate it. It's been great having you on the show. We hope the listeners got valuable insights and a window into how to best prepare for the competitive college admissions process. Because college admissions is really about having a game plan, a strategy, and taking the college planning process seriously. Again, thank you, Nicole, for being on our show. 
This concludes today's interview. For additional resources and guidance in the college planning process, go to www.thehaketwins.com. You can also sign up for weekly updates where we'll give you all kinds of advice and strategies that will help you with developing a successful college planning game plan. Until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Ultimate College Planning Podcast. For more information on this program and other resources, please visit www.thehagetwins.com.